As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, my name's Chris Paul and I am the CEO and founder of Man on Inverclyde, a mental health charity based in Greenock in the west of Scotland. And we're bringing you this message today to raise awareness of mental health and raise awareness of our charity and how we can maybe support you, your friends or your loved ones if you need it. Now, we started off as a suicide prevention charity and we're continuing that mission. We want to break the stigma attached to mental health. We want to break the stigma attached to men's mental health and I know that a lot of men will be listening to this podcast so please get in touch with us via Man on Inverclyde on social media and um, you'll find us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. If you're not on social media and you want to get in touch with us via email just type in support at manoninverclyde.com our landline here is 01475-910258. So yeah, get in touch with us if you're struggling with your own mental health or you're concerned about a friend or a family member. One of our staff members are volunteers here to support you. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to the Gallant Few podcast, podcast formerly dedicated to Rangers Football Club, but now we're all things opposition FC. My name's Colin McDuff and I'm your host as always. Joining me to talk through quite a quite a joyful few days uh, for for the club. First of all, Graham Campbell, how are you? Uh, brilliant, Colin. Yep, it's been an absolutely class few days. Uh, I think I'm probably still drunk from the weekend. Uh, but good to good to get talking Rangers tonight. Don't know how you managed a beer after that game. I was fucked, honestly. I was I fairly happy at 120 minutes. Never mind it. Just watched it. Also joining us uh, for God's country, Steve Caldo. How you doing? How you doing, Colin? Uh, uh, yep. Thanks again for having me on. Um, I have to say, when the dates were decided for the pod. I don't think I expected two wins in the last two days, so I'm absolutely delighted to be coming on. We've got something good to talk about, mate. I say you, <laughs> you put your name down for as far away as possible because we were going through quite a poor bit of form. So you, <laughs> you played your cards right with that one, mate. I was taking extra shifts at work just so I'd screw, so I could stay away from the pod. Eh? <laughs> and also dusting off the cobwebs, coming out the back covered to. Taking point the foursome. Graham Curry, how are you? Magic Colin. Still on cloud nine. Um 
Aye. Same as Steve. I've not been on the pod for a while, but it's funny how I came out the came out the woodwork when we've had two great results. But aye, still on cloud nine, mate. Fantastic. Uh, you're like one of the bastards that tried to get a season ticket when we go back up to the top division. Where were you against Stanning? Hey. But no, we're not here to talk about that. So, Graham Campbell, come to you first. Um, let's just talk about Sunday as much as we humanly can. Rangers got what they deserved. I don't think anyone can question it. Well, I think we all left the ground probably saying nobody can question it. There can be no complaints. Only to be hit with the usual typical media onslaught, um, talking about everything other than our performance. We won, we were the better team in the day, and the media backlash probably proves that. Event. I don't think anyone can disagree that we were the better team, bar maybe the first half of extra time. But I felt we outsang them off the park and we outplayed them on the park. So it was a phenomenal day all round, absolutely phenomenal. Um, couldn't have couldn't have expected better to be honest and we do have a good record in extra time as well I think we all would have preferred it didn't go that way uh, there was some nerves jangling but listen what a day we deserved that as a fan base we've deserved those those last five days or so that was, it was amazing Steve quite a lot this season we've seen Rangers play really well in spells but it's either been we've started the game really well and not just followed up with getting enough goals or we've waited to 50, 60 minutes to let one goal behind to start playing. You, you can't, uh, as Graham alluded to there, there's maybe that 50-minute spell in the first half of extra time, but if you start to finish, Rangers, Rangers will just up for it. They were absolutely superb. Um, so, I mean, I genuinely think we've got a better team than Celtic, OK? And I've thought that all the way through the season. But after the sort of week before and um, what we went through on Thursday night with the extra time and that, um, I wasn't overly confident going into Sunday. And then I quite often find in these games, well, in my head, I sort of see the first sort of 10 minutes and I, I, I sort of pick who I think's got to win with just who's crunching into tackles and just general attitude. And I thought we started it absolutely... Superb. I just thought Alexa Lundstrom and that put markers down. Thought we were working hard. Um, and as we were sort of getting to half time, I was thinking to myself, you know, I think we probably need the first goal because, you know, if, if certainly go ahead, you know, it sort of drains a wee bit more energy out the legs and everything. And then, fucking hell, obviously it happened. Certainly went one up. And I think probably the only time, like during the 90 minutes and the extra time, that I wasn't overly confident. You know, with the performance, I thought Celtic looked pretty comfortable for about 10 minutes after they scored. Um, and then the subs, you know, I mean, bringing Arfield and Davis on and um, Arfield getting his goal. To, like, see that pass for Connor Goldson? Fucking hell, it was unbelievable. And then Taft taking it on his chest and then firing it across early and Arfield bent in the top corner. And then for then, I thought we looked the stronger team. Uh, Agree with Graham. Celtic were probably the best spell of the game, maybe the first half of extra time. But I didn't think they were cutting us open or anything like that. Um, so it was just off the scale, wasn't it? It was brilliant. Absolutely, Graham. Um, we're going to talk about a few players, but we're going to start from the top. Steve mentioned John Lundstrom there. Um, I'm running, <laughs> kind of running out. Of, 
arse kissing for John arse kissing phrases. He was just phenomenal from start to finish. Steve mentioned it there. It was in the very first five minutes. He put in a slide tackle. It set the tone. It just that's what we're going to do. We're going to win this midfield, and he just stamped his authority over the midfield. He was the one that set an example. Follow me. It was a leadership. He set a. He acted as a leader, a proper leader. This is the way we're going to play today, and he was crunching into challenges. Wasn't again any a minute, and because he done that, it forced everybody around about him to then step up as well. So if they weren't up for it already, they were following his lead and everybody else done exactly the same. Get into challenges, not allowing people to turn on the ball. Um, as soon as a Celtic player got the body feet, there was somebody in tapping right from the start. Uh, but I, Lundstrom, outstanding. Wasn't he just his tackling? It was his passing as well. His control of the game I thought was good. He was able to spread the ball about well playing the right balls at the right time. Sometimes it was just a wee five yard to the side. Sometimes it was a, a ping into Kent in the wing. It was just an all-round fantastic midfield performance. And he's getting the he's getting the right plaudits for it. What you said there about Celtic midfield not getting enough time, that was that was a massive downfall at Ibrox. Like first and second half we let Callum McGregor run a riot. Um he was able to turn on the ball as you're saying, drive with the ball on some first five minutes. He put down his marker. He he wasn't having that. He he came up and said, Listen, you're not gonna do what you done to us at Ibrox and I think that definitely echoed through the team, didn't it? And they took the huff. You could see them getting pissed off. Celtic players were getting right pissed off because we were right on top of them. They weren't allowed to play their game. And you could see them getting a wee bit frustrated and then they didn't know what to do. They didn't have a, they didn't have a, a second option where they could play a you know, a one-touch pass to get rid of it. As soon as somebody closed them down, they, they had to take a touch and take a second touch before they could release the ball. They didn't have... They don't have the... They don't have the skill. They don't have the... the I'm trying to think of the word, but they're, they're not good enough, basically. They're not good enough to play triangles, one-touch triangles that we're able to do. We're able to do that as if you see like uh, the training ground exercises we do. One touch pass, one touch pass, one touch pass. Celtic don't have the ability to do it. So I think as fans, everybody's been able to see it. If we close this team down, harass them, they're not good enough to they're not good enough to come up with anything else. So the tactics were spot on. Tactics were spot on right from the start and it, it played right into your hands. Just on the tactics, Graham, we'll come to you. Um I think talk about that being on the front foot, pressing Celtic, being aggressive when we're off the ball. Uh, I've not really seen it for this Rangers team, but the centre-halves pushing in towards the midfield, pushing towards the striker. I thought Bassey and Golson done that brilliantly throughout the game. And I thought both full-backs had, uh, both had excellent games defensively and going forward as well. Um, and I think that really set the tempo. Absolutely, and I guess it's not just tactically the way we set up, but it's managing through the game, and Gio's been kind of inconsistent. Some games he's been excellent tactically throughout the game with his use of subs. Other games there's been bafflement with, with the fans. I think this game and, <clears throat> this game and Sunday, let's not let's not pretend and, and be around the bush. Callum McGregor's one of the better players in Scotland, and he's their best player, and he makes them tick. 
we dealt with him so much better on Sunday instead of respect. We almost sat off and gave him the last two firm games. That made all the difference. Once you can nullify their threat in the middle of the park, which I felt we did, bar maybe a couple of runs, that that really helped. And when we look at the tactical subs, when, when we've got a berth of talent in midfield, whether it's Jack Lindstrom, we were able to bring on Kamara, Davis, Arfield, Wright, we had Ramsey, obviously. The difference was they weren't able to bring on anyone. I don't think they changed McGregor um, and they didn't bring off Hattati until what, 100 and whatever minutes. So it's the depth of our squad and it's good to see he's using it. But I felt tactically that Gio got the subs absolutely spot on and, that, and that's something else that he, it, we bested Celtic at um, on Sunday. So yeah, I think we set up well. I thought our defence had a great game. Barisic fair play to him again. I think he did the same on Thursday. Um, he, he kind of signalled that he was going to need to come off. I think maybe a bit of cramp, especially in the groin. But what that does is when Balogun comes on, we know who has a burst of pace. Puts Bass out there. Now Bass has played, what, 200 plus minutes um, now in, in the last five five days. Still running the late, still running the width of that, the length of that park with five minutes to go extra time outrunning James Forrest who came on what 20 minutes before so look um, to a man we were unbelievable and just echoed John Lindstrom oh my word he, he will be the, it wasn't looking like it the first few months but he's got to be signing of this signing this season right and you just see the leadership come from him and how much we, we've clearly got under his skin as a club as well you can tell from singing the Blue Sea Ibrox on Thursday to yelling at Bassey um, when he was kind of down looking to see how a Celtic player was. He's got leadership and, and drove. So, no, look, that man, we were unbelievable on Sunday, and, and that includes Gio. We've not had enough of that bad bastardness who can back it up with talent in the last 10 years, have we? That John Lundstrom showed um, he can play a ball, but by God, I, he must have a set of balls if he's up for shouting at a, a unit like Calvin Bassey. The only one I would say, Jack, I think Jack's got that leadership about him, but he's been in and out of the team for the past year, but he's got that same sort of dig about him. He understands the club, so um, I think with Lundstrom and Jack in the midfield, you've got that, but you can. I, I think Lundstrom outshone him in terms of the the nastiness of him, which you definitely need, you know. It's, it's, and it wasn't... Graham there was saying McGregor is a star man. Rogic is getting a lot of a lot of time, a lot of space. He sometimes pulls the strings in the midfield. He didn't get a sniff. He was hooked after an hour. He just didn't get a sniff. So it wasn't just one player that we had to single out. I would say we had to single out or we had to we had to target the two midfielders there. Um and we certainly done that. So Steve, when we talk about leaders, um I'm gonna talk about the the two best subs of the game, Steve Davis and Scott Arfield. Um, well, I thought Rangers still had the better of Celtic up until then. Like in general play, obviously we were 1-0 down at this point. I thought these were, uh, the, these two subs got us over the edge. In terms of leaders, it's, I, I thought they were excellent. Steve Davis, he'll take the ball under any sort of pressure and see when you've been playing almost 90 minutes. And you see Davis shown for the ball, and you know he's got to play the ball in the safety or in a good pass, in, in a good passage of play. That must be so reassuring. And Scott Arfield, Arfield is that kind of like Barisic. No, no, in terms of confidence levels, but when he's got the fire in his belly, he's either 
going to have a, an off game or he's right up for it and thankfully on Sunday was right up for it. Yeah, I agree with that. I think um, I was a wee bit critical of Van Bronckhurst on Thursday um, just after I would have brought Davies on after about an hour because I just think it it must be like a dream team mate. Anytime you lift your head up he's 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 got to take the ball off you. You know, so if you're under a wee bit of pressure, pop it into Davis and he'll give it back to you or he'll pop it onto somebody else. Um and I just think they were they were two great subs to bring on. You know, as you say, Davis takes the ball anywhere and Arfield just um he just had that head on him, didn't he? He was not going to be on the losing side on Sunday. He just I don't mean that I'm probably doing him a bit of disservice, but he just charged about the pitch. Um bundle of energy. It was almost like saying this is your last game and he just as I say, he was never going to come off on the losing side. See, just going quickly back to John Lundstrom, I was actually speaking to a guy at work, a non-Rangers fan, a couple of weeks ago about Lundstrom, and uh, we were just talking about signings and stuff, and he said, do you think he's been another one of these guys that have come up to England and thought he's got to coast it in Scotland? And I says, no, I don't think, think so. What, what I, or why I thought he struggled at the start of the season, I thought he was getting used in the wrong position. It was almost like he was told to be a sitting midfielder and it was almost like a player that, whose legs had went. You know, it was just like sit there and pass, pass, pass. And um, it was almost, um, see when he got, it was like he got to, told to take the handbrake off and he see when he can use his energy and like he's got strength, he's not slow, he's got um, good ability on the ball, you know, put tackles in. And I don't know if it was him or... Um, I'd say it's more since Van Bronckers come in or whether somebody's just said to him, look, you're not a player that needs to sit in the centre circle. You're the guy that needs to get about the park and affect games. And ever since that, he's probably been one of our best players. But I don't think it was ever an attitude thing with him. I think he was just getting used wrong. Whether we just need to sort of learn how to use him. Um, but I think when you have somebody in the middle of the park like him, you know the rest of the players feed off that. You're putting tackles in like that, so I'm going to put tackles in like that. You're putting that much energy in, I'm going to put that energy in. Um, and if there's two players in the team that you're saying you want to be closing down, Lundstrom and Bassey, you know, if you're on the half turn as Rogic or McGregor are a lot of the time, and you've got Lundstrom and Bassey up your arse, you're not wanting that. Probably the two players you don't want up your arse, to be fair. No, it's a good point about Lundstrom. Um, I do remember like, when he was coming on, it was almost like. Gerard was he was trying to mould him into another player's position. So when Davis was out injured, Lonson was asked to play the Steve Davis role. Or there was even at times where he was maybe trying to be used like a Joe Aribo playing a wee bit on the right a bit further forward. It's not his game at all. So I'm just glad that Gio's getting the best of him. Um Graham, just on Scott Arfield again, we'll come to the goals. I'm not going to give too much um too much airtime eh, that Turncoat Taylor's goal. Um, it was deflection anyway, and it doesn't really matter. So on a one each, Scott Arfield. I'm so glad he picked Sunday to <laughs> to have his fucking shooting boots on um, instead of Thursday. Aye, fantastic finish. I thought um, right place, right time. Uh, good control as well. I thought if, it, if he didn't, it was um, it was a nice wee touch that was taken to to lay it into his path, and he's just guided it, he just guided it nicely into the into the bottom corner or middle corner if you like. But um, 
Aye, really good finish. He was up for it. He came on and he was full of energy as well. Wasn't on for long before he started to to make make a difference. You know, he was asking for the ball. He was harrying. Um, but aye, a, a fabulous goal. I I didn't see it coming. I was ready for I was ready for waving the white flag. I thought we wilted after their goal. I thought I, I just couldn't see it. I was watching it and I just couldn't see a goal coming. Um, I thought we would have huffed and puffed, maybe had a couple of chances, but I really didn't see that that coming at all. And wow, what what a what a release it was when that ball hit the back of the net. It was the whole stadium went mental, the players went mental. It was it was a proper release of excitement and relief and euphoria. It was um, one of the moments that you'll not forget. Her. I thought the fans were excellent, start to finish. If I've been fair. Aye, well, the whole game. Um, I think was it Graham that said at the start, just outsang them, but outsang them the full, the full, um, the full, the full day, the full game. But aye, it was um, quite the atmosphere. So when the extra time, Graham and that man, that man with a smile, um, he might not be credited with a goal, and in Sky Sports, but I'm giving it to he comes from Zambia and he saved my day. What, uh, what what was it like when this goal went in for you? Oh, undescribable joy, right? I think but before it even came on, I don't know if it, I, I never clocked it, but I think on the, the Hamden screens, um, it was saying about random stats and Sakal had obviously scored in every round of the Scottish Cup. So a few of the guys round about were talking about that. Um and to be honest, what, 117th minute came on, I was kind of starting to think penalties, uh, like nobody wants it, but I couldn't help um, sort of, um, think about penalties. Whenever it was, he came on 107, I can't remember, it doesn't really matter, 30, 30 minutes to go, um, I think extra time, and he came on and um, we took off roof. So again, that's that's a call where actually Gio's saying, well, do you know what, I'm not thinking about penalties, penalties isn't in my mind. Um, bringing on Sakala. It was absolutely not his goal. I'm not even sure he touched it, but I could not give a Fuck flag. off, man. <laughs> He's getting it. Um, I'll take the delight that Starfield's booted it into his own net, actually. But look, the, the run Bassey makes down the left. And Kent, man, the engine on him is just unbelievable. Like, he's always for going. I don't think I've ever looked at Kent and thought he looks leggy, he looks tired. No matter what game, no matter how he's played, how long he's played for. I mean, the guy is, the engine on him is just ridiculous. Um, again, I thought he was excellent, um, but for that overlap for Bassing, as I said earlier, Forrest who came on as a sub, who's he's not slow. He, he's not catching them. I think Bobby Madden outran James Forrest if you look at the replay. Um, but Bassing overlap and just such a dangerous ball in. We'd we had a couple of cross cross the face balls in the second half extra time that we were maybe just wanting a wee break or a wee bit of luck, and and obviously we got it. And, and I don't think they were ever going to look. Yeah, they could have gone up the park and they might have got one more chance, but the game management by us for those last five minutes. In fact, what would that be? Nine minutes? Because Madden found four minutes injury time and extra time, which I don't think I've ever seen before, by the way. But um, we managed that game so unbelievably well and to see it out. And I think just for me, the most important part is um, it's the character. 
it's a character we showed for coming for one goal down with 25 minutes to go or one down with 13 minutes to go and, and we bring it back and we win an extra time but out of everything for me that's the most important part we're, we're going to need a lot of character whether it's maybe the league's gone yeah probably but if we're going to win the Scottish Cup if we're going to progress to the final Europa League we'll need all that character and we've clearly got it in our squad Steve we're going to come to Thursday night in a minute but how important is that result for Gio um, the reason I ask I don't think anybody in this podcast saying maybe Kenny who's a fucking moody wee bastard at times always you tell him the right time and he says Gio out um, other than that I think we all we're all in agreement well, he has to get a chance in the summer but there were people genuinely question is it time for him to go I think this must carry a lot of favour for him now yeah, um, I don't think I would have questioned if it was time for him to go, but I certainly had doubts about, well, I mean, at the end of the day, come in with a six-point lead in the league and we're now six points behind. Whatever whatever excuse he can give for that, there's been a 12-point swing. Um, yep, it's not his players or anything, and managers would always argue that they need sort of transfer windows and stuff, but, um, you know, we'd went, seven or eight games without getting beat for Celtic before he came in and that would have been a swing to three defeats in the trot and uh, Rangers managers you know I think you do need a good result against Celtic in big games um, towards the start of your sort of career as a manager at Rangers just to you know so the fans know that you can win big games I mean we, we obviously can't argue what he's done in Europe Um I think it was a massive win for him. And I think it was the way that it was done as well. It was, you know, it was the subs that that, that influenced the game. Um, I thought McLaughlin, as Graham was saying there, towards the end, Celtic put a couple of crosses in the lap, but McLaughlin came and dealt with it. You know, if if he'd had a shocker um, and, you know, gave away a penalty, but sent off, whatever, that would have been a big one on Van Bronckhorst, so it would have. Um, So, I've questioned some of his subs. Um, I think he can be quite slow with subs sometimes. Um, but overall, you know, you've got to give him credit. I don't think he'd done anything wrong on Sunday. Really, tactics, yeah, massive for him. And he's such a likable bloke. He is. You know, I, I really want him to do well. Obviously, I'm a Rangers fan. I want him to do well. But um, aye, it's just a massive win for him. So chuffed for him. One thing, um, just when Steve's talking about McLaughlin there. I, I fucking knew you were going to come in. I knew you were going to come in. The McGregor basher. Look, I love I love McGregor as much as the next guy. But I think when we when we saw he was coming in at the start of the game, I think probably thought, oh, well, do you know what? McLaughlin's played the last three rounds. Gio's been fair on him, blah, blah, blah. But I think in the first five minutes, the way we were playing, passing the ball about the back, something that, we weren't re- really able to do as well in the last two from games. It was clearly a tactical decision, by the way, and that needs to be applauded with utmost because McLaughlin is comfortable with the ball. He's feel like there's a couple of hairy moments between him, Golds and Bass and all that. But that's one thing that we didn't do in the last two firms where pass the ball about. So they had Maeda, who, by the way, I'm convinced isn't a football player. He's just a professional menace and just runs about like a madman up there. Um, I'm not saying he's... I'm not slating the guy. He's just difficult to play against a menace probably doesn't kick the ball at all but 
he he caused issues and could have we couldn't have played that way with McGregor. We couldn't have. Um so it was absolutely a tactical decision and it really paid off. And there was a wee montage in the, on social media, if you've seen it, four or five crosses that McLaughlin came for throughout that game, two or three of which I'm absolutely convinced McGregor wouldn't have touched. And two of them, at least, I think a Celtic player was going to win the header. Now, for me, I would have McLaughlin keep the jersey for the rest of the season. I don't think that will happen, but it does make such a difference having a goal. It just claims a ball in that six-yard box, and McLaughlin did that, and it was it was just really good to watch. And you know, it gives you a bit more confidence when you've got um, crosses coming in, and, and you know your keeper's going to come and collect it or punch it, and that's the main thing. It's not just the short passing, though, Graham. It's not just the short passing between the back four. It's the long passes as well. He's able to ping a ball to the wing, up to the halfway line, and find a man. He's able to play a ball into Lundstrom or into Jack. He's actually able to play a ball with accuracy. Takes the pressure off everybody because Celtic have pushed three guys forward and it's left a gap in the midfield, and he'll find that gap with such accuracy. So it's no... Which is good. The short passing around the back is... Is good and definitely a tactic we employed, but that that longer range or mid range passing is such a uh, such a good tactic to have because it just relieves the pressure off the defence. We've sucked him in, and now we've we've already got a man over in the midfield just by doing that. And the two punches that you mentioned as well, I thought they were because that was in that was late that was late on in the game, and it really needed that. It, it was punching whatever was in front of him. If that happened to be a a Celtic head, a Rangers head, or the ball, something was getting punched. Yeah, I mean, there's been times in games this year, and, and I, I hate slagging off Alan McGregor. I think everybody agrees what he's done for Rangers, but there has been times in games this year, and even Braga on Thursday night, when they got that corner, I, I sort of expected a goal. See, on Sunday, when they were getting corners towards end game, I didn't think they were going to score. And that just comes because I think McLaughlin came out and uh, took a couple of balls. And I mean, there, there were balls that he should have came for and he should have taken. There was nothing absolutely spectacular about it. But there's been a tactic from teams this year, swing balls onto the six-yard line, and they know McGregor's not coming for them. And as I say, I feel uncomfortable, even as if I'm having a go at Alan McGregor at all. I felt so much more comfortable towards the end of the game on Sunday, knowing that we had a keeper that was come to take the ball. And Steve, you've hit the nail on the head there. The ta- there is no doubt you've got to be a lousy coach if you don't make the tactic to put that ball on the line of the six-yard box, right? That would be silly not to. There's without a doubt Braga, that corner was a tactic. Now, that's another thing. Leading up to that game on Sunday, I have no doubt Celtic one of their tactics would have been to do that. So to Gio, to throw in McLaughlin, I don't think anyone really expected him at start. He threw him in. That is one big set-piece tactic that Celtic have missed out on. Something they'd probably been working on most of the week, where to pinpoint their set-pieces, whether it was Collins or free kicks, knowing that McGregor will not really come off his line. And again, that's another spanner in the works for them. And it did make a difference, as, as Graham says, having that kind of mid mid mid-range pass and again with the way Celtic presses they did it at Ibrox and we couldn't really do anything about it so to have a keeper with a wider range of passing did 
absolutely make a difference. And it was a really, really good tactical decision by Gio. And I, I don't think it was just a, well, you've played the other rounds. It was tactical and it was it was brilliant. So we've touched on it there. We'll go on to Thursday. Graham Curry, I know you always wake up at start your weekend with a semi as the Rangers. So. Right, OK, yeah. What's your question, Colin? Carry on. <laughs> Shows your semi. So... Rangers 1-0 down for the return leg. Did you expect what you see in the eyebrows Thursday night? Um, yes, I thought we would have. I was expecting a victory, to be honest. So, um, I, I was actually surprised it took so long. I thought we could have put the team away a wee bit earlier. Um, doesn't it take away the, the spirit in the team and the, the ability to do it um, over that period of time? But I thought we could have maybe had two or three goals by 60 minutes in. Um, so, hard to say you're disappointed after a result, a result like that and getting through. But by that point in the game, I really did think we should have been a few goals up and I should have put the game to bed. Um, and we nearly get... We nearly... Um, yeah, we nearly shot ourselves in the foot there. But it was due to the the spirit and the determination and the, the character that we've already spoke about that, that got us through that tie. Um, we just had to keep on ploughing away. Um, when I say, I didn't see them scoring a second. I, I didn't see that. So if it was anything, I thought we were going to maybe get put out in penalties or something, something horrible like that. But, uh, yeah, I thought we should have maybe had a, put the game to bed a wee bit earlier. Steve, I, I think there's a lot of comparisons between Sunday and Thursday, in particular some of the players who really stood out, but even the way Rangers approached the game, Graham's saying there, we should have been 2-3 up by by the time Braga got one back, and I do agree with him. Um, that's in, <laughs> Before Sunday, that was probably the best I've seen Rangers play for 80 minutes, because they were just consistently on the front, th- sorry, front foot, and they didn't allow Braga a chance to breathe. See, going into the, the game, there's two things that sort of made me confident. First one, uh, I brought Scott to Braga the last time we played them. You know, they were two up and they looked pretty good. As soon as Rangers got a goal back, I thought you could see them wilting. So that gave me a bit of confidence. And also, they celebrated the 1-0 home win um, a wee bit too much in my view because Rangers were pretty stinking in the first leg um, I was taking the positive I took for the first leg was it was all about the result I would rather we went there and played like we did and lost 1-0 and come back with a chance rather than going across there played excellent and conceded two late goals or whatever so the one goal in it and yeah, there are probably four or five players different but I certainly thought we could get to them and Ibrox did get to them um, and to score in, what was it, 70 seconds or something? Unbelievable. And, you know, I think we'll maybe get to talking about VR later on, but, you know, what we, we hit the post, we hit the bar, we what, two or three goals chopped off with VR. I've, I've actually lost count of what it was. And, I mean, they were rightly chopped off. We've, you know, we've had uh, goals given because of VR and penalties correctly given because of VR. So I'm not saying they were the wrong decisions or that, but we actually did do enough to put them away really, really comfortably within 90 minutes. Already touched on, you know, they got their corner 
and there was a bit of sense of dread. But even from that moment, I thought the players dealt with it well. And uh, Graham said the only way I could see us getting beat was was on penalties. Um, but it was good for Roof to get his goal because I've been quite critical of him. Um, probably the, the two Celtic games, I thought, and probably a bit unfair because I think actually the team was still set up for Morelos to be playing and we've, we've tried to slot Roof in. And I thought he was really, really good against Braga um, and at the weekend. So delighted that he got the winning goal. Well deserved. And the atmosphere was uh, someone else on Thursday night as well. I know, it, it kind of made up. Obviously, I've been feeling sorry for myself after missing the Dortmund game at Ibrox because I would, had that fucking COVID for the second time. So I feel, after seeing that on Thursday night, uh, and there's Graham Campbell. For the listeners, just give me the wanker sign through the the Stripe video. But um, I feel that made up for it. That was a really special night and such a what an atmosphere. Graham, I'll come to you, you prick. Um, Came out roof. You have well and truly banged that drum uh, since day dot. And I agree with Steve. I thought he had two really good games. Um, he probably won't get the credit for Sunday because he didn't. He, score or get an assist, well I suppose he did with Arfield, but I thought he led the line well and he didn't lead the line the way Alfredo Morales does he, he led it in the way he came out with shoot and the team adapted to it and it gave him half a chance I came out with is just utterly wonderful um, what a guy the last two or three games specifically he's been unbelievable and yeah he has led the, the line really well to the point where at this moment in time, I, f- I feel like uh, Gio does have a decision to make in terms of the league because I really think Kmart Ruth needs to be wrapped up in cotton wool. If we were to lose him through injury, um, Europe's gone. It is gone. I think we we could have enough about us to see Hearts off in a Scottish Cup final with Sakala up front, but we're not getting through three matches in the Europa League to potentially try and win it if we lose Kmart Roof. So I think decisions do have to be made about priorities now from now until the end of the season um, because he has been phenomenal. Uh, his, his control, his strength is just unbelievable. And I think we have we have changed the way we've, we've played slightly to, to match um, him up front. I think you saw that a bit more again Sunday when you, when you look at Scott Wright coming on. Um, he drifted into the the, the centre of midfield quite a bit when he got the ball, drafted out wide as well, but a bit more dynamic when when Wright came on for Ramsey, I was a wee bit baffled by that one, but it proved to be an absolute um, stroke of genius, I thought he had a great game his close control was excellent and having these players either side of the roof is, is brilliant, I think Wright set himself up well for the, for the rest of the season to, to, have, um, to have some impact on some of the games, but I don't know, I do feel like we've got a lot of players in our squad that are starting, look, too late for the league, but they're starting to come into it. Um, when we talk about the Europa League, having these players um, hitting form at the right time, it's completely different. Now it's completely different to 2008. Look, 2008 was amazing. What a run it was, but obviously the style that Walter Smith had is playing, and that was playing at the strengths of the team we had at the time. It's completely different to the team we're watching now, and this is a team that can go and win games if we play well, that will score goals if they play well. 
I honestly believe, and I mean, I, I think you can go back to the recording, Scott, and I'm sure you'll hear me somewhere saying that we'll win the Europa League this season, new season, so well. But I honestly believe we will. We can, we can absolutely, undoubtedly, win the Europa League, um, and it's just about making sure that one, we keep these players fit, and two, they they they, are, they continue hitting this kind of vein of form, and we've only got what a few games left this season. I mean, I'm really excited. I'll be honest. Just when you mentioned the 2008, and you're meeting, maybe saying wrap roof up and uh, cotton wool, he's the man that's going to lead us in Europe. I bet Colin's about to mention Daniel Cousin. I bet he's going to mention him. Am I right? He's known me so fucking well, <laughs> aye. In my biggest regret, Daniel Cousin with that stupid header, Fiorentina. This is meant to be a good mood podcast, Graham. I could just sense it as soon as it comes up, but... <clears throat> It is a true comparison. I think he does lead the line like him. Um, he's he's a he gets about. He throws himself about. He's a strong boy, Ruth. Uh, I wonder if his baby just been injured all this time and he just not had a chance. And now he's starting to get ninety minutes, ninety minutes, and that's what he's actually needed. He's needed to get regular game time. Would, would they say that about players that they need proper game time? And now that he's starting to get regular, that's now him finding his true form, which. You know, a few years did see um, did see that he had had it in him, but I um, I think he's been fantastic the last few games as well. Really good, really good showing from him, and he's had to step up because there's not a lot else there, which backs up Graham's point that if he's injured, we're knackered. Steve, just touching on injuries, um, we spoke about him a couple of times, but not in any great detail. Aaron Ramsey thought he had a decent game on Thursday. Um, Obviously, he was subbed off before half time on on Sunday. Um, apparently, it's a it was a tight hamstring. Um, just ways record and no even before Rangers, but since he's been at Rangers as well, I can't help but think this may be his last game that we've seen him play. Yeah, I I did read a report. I think it was in the Times earlier on, uh, basically saying that they think that's his season over, but. Um, Somebody had said to me that this has been reported before and he's actually came back. But if it is, if that is him done for us, I'm not going to criticise the club for taking the gamble because I think if you get offered a player of that quality to come in for, you know, uh, potentially winning the league, potentially winning the Scottish Cup and potentially going very far or winning the Europa League, I think you've just got to take it. You know, however much it's cost the club, if you said to me, rewound back to whenever it was in January and we, we had the chance to sign him, I would still say sign him because he just has so much quality. I think the, the games he's played in, I've been quite impressed with his work rate. I, I thought he was maybe going to be one of these players that comes up and stands about and likes to do wee flicks and whatever. But I think when he's played, he's put the effort in. Um, he played at Galabank at Arnon. You know, no sort of um, prima donna attitude about that. I just think, sadly, his, his body's letting him down a wee bit. Um, but if it is his last game, I'd thank him for his efforts. And, yeah, I hope he can get himself fit and start playing games, to be honest. From from what we've seen, I, like there's been times where I've thought the guy is clearly an absolute cut above anyone else um, on the pitch. I don't know about you guys, but specifically on Thursday against Braga, I don't think he had as much effect on Sunday as he did on Thursday. But honestly, I said at the time, it was one of the finest midfield performances I've seen. 
in a, a Rangers shirt in my time going to Ibrox. I thought he was unbelievable against Braga. Like the guy's just a cut above, and you can tell. Like for me, for me, it was a world class performance that he put in against Braga, and that's where I'm really devastated that he's going to miss the rest of the season. As I say, I don't think he had as much influence in the game on Sunday, whether, again, that was tiredness or whatever from the shift he put in. But I think it's in Europe. Um, you have Buff and you have Ramsey for the last three games in the Europa League, potentially. I really think we we would be, I mean, we would be flying. We're now missing them. I'm not saying it's all lost or anything like that, but that, honestly, I could not could not have sang his praises higher than, than that game on Thursday and I'll be gutted if he's out for the rest of the season because like not only is that that but um, obviously any hopes of his even going near him in the summer look that was unlikely anyway but that's gone regardless um, and like Steve says look you can only thank him for coming in and the few games he's done because it's been great to see him. Honestly, the, the way he breaks up plays, movement, some of the touches are just... Pff, he, he's a cut above and you can tell. Nah, so here's hoping all the reports are a bit of a in, in factual read and he's back for the game against Leipzig a week on Thursday. So before we wrap up um, for our predictions against Motherwell. Big bit of news came out for Scottish football today. Graham Curry, I'm going to come to you, the resident Gallant View referee. We voted in VAR, but in two Scottish football fashion, we can't even vote something improperly. We've got to do it halfway through next season, just for the shits and giggles. What's your thoughts? Uh, thoughts on VAR in general are I've never been a fan of it. But that's because I'm old-fashioned and I want just a pure game of football, 4 4 and I want the other team to play 4 4 and You still want a big guy and wee guy up front, don't you? Exactly that. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I get annoyed at electronic substitution boards and stuff like that. I don't know why they have to be electronic. Just make put a bit of paper up, that'll do. Um, but no, moving with the times, and we definitely need to get VAR and the whole, whole Europe score up. Um, and we are sadly lacking, but... How many years behind are we? Four, three, four years behind. So we're already behind. All these referees are already ahead of us, know how to work it, or uh, a lot better at being going to be able to analyse things like this. So we're already behind, but it had to get brought in at some point. And you're right, I don't know why it's got to be halfway through a season. That It does not make sense to me. How long does it take to get trained up on how to watch a telly and make a decision? So I used to do, as you know, Con, I used to be a referee, right? Amateur referee, lowest level and that, whatever. But I used to go to some of the meetings and what they would do is at the training is they would put up the on the telly and it would maybe just be a junior game. I don't know, maybe Pollock versus Irvin Fix or whatever. And they would say, right, what would you do in this situation? So they're already in the habit of watching a game, analysing it and making a decision. So it's not as if this is a completely new concept to them. Referees should know how to look at a telly and go, right, I know the rule, I know the laws of the game, that is definitely offside or that is definitely a penalty. Make my decision. It should not be taking six months to be trained up on how to do it. Unless I'm missing something, unless there's a a technological reason why you know it has to be installed, maybe, maybe the stadiums need to be 
revamped and it has to take that length of time. But if it's if it's a refereeing thing, then it's it's taking far too long to, to to get brought in, and it's kind of a nonsense that you know you're going to have two games against an opposition. Let's say Motherwell, we're going to have two games against Motherwell next season. We've got VAR, and then two two games against Motherwell where we don't have it, and it's yeah, it just feels a bit. It just feels a bit odd. But I'm all for it. I'm all for it being brought in. As I say, now that it's um, now that it's here, I think Rangers will benefit out of the day. I think the amount of decisions we get screwed out of, again, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't think referees are out to get us. I think there's influence put on the referees sometimes and it's unavoidable. I think referees, they make bad decisions against Rangers and um, there's probably outside influences and whatever. I don't think referees are out to get us. I really don't. I, 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 I know people complain or whenever somebody, whenever Beaton gets uh, uh, appointed, everybody gets up in arms and says, oh, he's going to do us and whatever. I don't agree with all that. I don't think that's the case. But I do think they're influenced by outside um, influences, if you like. And I think VAR will really, really help Rangers a lot. The amount of decisions that go against us, which are easily overturned when you watch a replay. Um, so I'm all for it now, yeah. Steve, um, Graham probably really summed up my, my thoughts perfectly there. Um, I, I would say in, in Europe this season, we've seen VAR go for Rangers and against Rangers, but I'm okay with that. I just want Rangers refereed fairly. My only worry is that while this will help with um, offside decisions and stuff, it's still going to still going to be the same idiots refereeing the game, so stuff is still going to be missed. Um, but all in all, I do think it will help the game. Uh, what, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I think... Well, I think, first of all, it was the right decision to bring it in because I think just about every other major league in Europe got it. Two things... Um, oh, sorry, one thing I, I didn't understand was why League 2 and League 1 clubs got a vote on it because... They're never going to be, they're never going to be, um, using it really. I mean, I don't know if it's Scottish Cup or whatever. But so I get Championship and uh, Premiership. Um, another thing that shocked me was that there was actually what was it, forty-one to one vote? Because you could hold up a white and black card in Scottish football and get vote uh, people to vote in the colour, and you would get a fucking even split. I think so. I was kind of shocked at the forty-one and one. Just echo uh, yours and Graham's thoughts on bringing it through halfway through a season. That is absolutely ridiculous. Um, just typical Scottish football. But yeah, overall, I think it's time to come in. And I actually think it will help the referees because I think it takes a bit of pressure off them to get the right decision. You know, if it's someone you're not sure about, you let it go. The guy in the trailer or wherever they'll be sitting um, has a look at it. He looks at it kind of whilst you know he's obviously should know the rules and you're not getting influence of the crowd I don't think as much so they should get to the right decision more um, yeah overall just for it glad we've got it we're getting it last word on you Graham how funny would it be if Rangers were the one club who voted against it yeah it wouldn't it would <laughs> Be embarrassing, I guess. Um, I'm sure it wasn't. God knows who it was. Um, I, I'm assuming we'll 
we'll find out eventually. But um, interesting, yeah, Graham Curry say how we'll be playing Motherwell four times next season. So there you go, well fans, listen to this podcast. Uh, Graham Curry as you finish in the top six uh, next season. So congrats on that achievement um, again. So, um, but look, it's it's the right decision. Uh, halfway through a season is a total farce. I'll tell you right now, I guarantee it. Um, halfway through that season, you know our media and stuff, I guarantee there'll be a table. Then there'll be a table if VAR was in this half of the season. Then at the end of next season, there'll be a table and a table if VAR was in the whole season. All that's to come. It's going to be brilliant. It's going to be fun and games. So yeah, bring it on, I guess. But um, yeah, it's about time it's been brought in. Happy days. We've all agreed. VAR's, VAR's a good call, but the SFA are idiots. And that's as good a point as any to wrap it up. Um, thank you all for listening. I'm going to come and ask my guests to give their farewells or goodbyes. And um, I'd like to thank them for joining. And as always, I'm going to press them for a prediction for this Saturday's game away to Motherwell. So kicking us off, good to have you back, Graham Curry. Cheers, Colin. Cheers, boys. Good to be back again. It's been a long time, but um, I'd like to be back, especially after such a momentous week. Um, so, I, for me, it's going to be an Itten hat trick against Motherwell, 3 0. Uh, big, big getting listening to this podcast is probably the closest he's getting to the game. Uh, thank you very much for joining us for On the Road, Steve Caldo. Yep, so I'm taking into account what Graham was saying earlier on about we maybe have to prioritise um, for the rest of the season. I think we go balls out against Motherwell. If we get the win, put a bit of pressure on Celtic playing the next day. Um, I'm going to go 4-2 Rangers. Last but not least, Graham Campbell, thank you very much. Yeah, cheers for having us on. Um, Roof's going to be rested. Scala's going to hit that track. We're going to win 5-0, now, uh, five now. and I'll see you boys in Seville. And I'm going to go a standard, a solid 2-0 win for Rangers. It's not going to be pretty. We're not going to play anywhere near as well as we played the last two games. It's the Rangers way. 2-0 uh, Rangers. Um, and then just saving ourselves for the following Thursday. On that note, thank you very much everybody for listening. Enjoy your weekend when it comes. We are the people. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. 
Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.